0: the Lord. If I have to, I'll get 45 cordless mics. We are not going to be defeated. (laughs) We're on the winning side. That's right. I never did like to lose whenever I was a kid, whatever I was playing at. There was a member of my family that liked it even less than I do. I'm not saying anything, but I don't figure none of us wants to lose this battle. The consequences are too great, aren't they? God bless you. So appreciate the privilege to be here tonight. I just so appreciate this atmosphere that's here. I love it when he comes by. I've felt him since a little boy, but I always just love it. It does something to you changes you i can't imagine i mean carol was talking yesterday and she said you wonder those people that have gone on what are they doing i said well you know i said for us we our life is so filled with going and coming and doing this and doing that and we do this for a while we get tired of it and we do something else and we get tired of that and we do something else and we get tired of that i said because our happiness and our joy is watered down so much and so weak. Can you imagine living in a place to where you really don't have to go anywhere or do any more than what you're doing? You've just arrived into eternity. So it's not like you're there and then 15 minutes you got to go here and 20 minutes you got to go over there. They're just there. They've arrived. You imagine those that have been there for thousands of years and they're not a bit more tired? Today, than they were, than they got there 24 hours after they arrived, they're just as happy as they were then. My, my. It's real, friends. I just wish we could all go tonight. Don't you just be out of this crazy place. But until we do, we're going to torment hell. That's what we were born for. That's right. Let's read the book of Romans tonight, if you would, chapter 10. book of Romans chapter 10 we'll read uh, beginning read verse 13 certainly appreciate each of you that are here tonight trust the Lord will bless your effort for coming to the house of God to worship him for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved but now let's conclude this in the context in which it's placed How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher or a proclaimer or a good news declarer? That's what a preacher is. And how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Rhema of God. Now remember, we've looked at this before, that there's two Greek words that are used in the New Testament for our one English word. Our one English word is word, W-O-R-D. But there's two different words in the Greek that is used, and one of them is logos, and the other one here is rhema. Logos is that which is written. It's a mandate. It's like an order for the day. But rhema is a word uttered by a living voice. Right. It's a difference between, we'll say, intellectual faith and revelatory or revelation faith. Right. And Carol was talking about it this evening after we'd eat supper, and I was helping her wash up the dishes. And she was talking about the promise of God, the plan of God. She's talking about faith. And I said, Well, you know, you think about it, honey, if, if God did not separate intellectual faith from revelation faith, then we could ask the four things and our intellectual faith would make them happen against the will of God. So God divides intellectual faith from rhema word faiths So that he always has that sovereign control just in case we would ask for something against his will. If he ignited that intellectual faith so every time we spoke it, it would happen, where would we all be tonight? So God makes it hinge upon his sovereignty because we're asking and sometimes we don't always understand his will. We think we do. And we would ask so many, many things that would be wrong. So God severs it and He places it. Intellectual faith is a great thing. Don't think I'm against it now. It's a great thing. The right mental attitude toward any promise of God will bring it to pass. But remember, God hinges that then upon the sovereignty of His own will. So just in case we would ask something contrary to His will that would displease Him, He can override that by His sovereign grace. And I'm sure glad He does. Because there ain't no telling how many more times I'd have messed up than what I already have. Aren't you glad He does that? I mean, a lot to be remembered tonight as we pray. Heavenly Father, we count it such an honor that we can be together tonight. Lord, in these troubled times, it's just such a good thing just to be together. Lord, just to be able to be together and see one another and shake one another's hands and just to be together is so wonderful. But to be together in Your presence, It is absolutely beyond words that we have to explain it. But we do want you to know that we are grateful. Father, as we approach you tonight, Lord, with our heads bowed to the dust of the earth, you see our needs. And Lord, we say it often, that our needs are many, but our God is greater than all of our needs together. We're so thankful for all that you've done for us, Lord. We just pray tonight, once again, that you'd come and help us. Open up your heart to us tonight, Father. Open up your word and, and make it real. And we know, Lord, that basically every service will come with Logos and with Rhema. And it takes the Spirit of God to help us. There's things that we will store for later use. And we know that Rhema is not a, a storage type of word. But Rhema is a word that comes when we need it. But Logos is a storage type of word. That we store it in our minds and our souls and our memory, and then we recall it, and it helps us and it, it encourages our, our intellectual faith. But Father, we're always so glad when you give us that word and you make it so real, and you actually take that word and speak it out of our lips, then it's not us speaking, but it's you. Teach us, I pray, these wonderful things tonight, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saint said. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's read again uh, here Romans chapter 10, verse 15. And I made reference to this last Wednesday that Paul, whenever he's actually making reference to the book of Isaiah... Paul did the same thing that Matthew did. He did the same thing that Brother Benham did quite often and uh, we realize that uh, you know that God has a way of saying his words and there's a great difference between the Hebrew language and the Greek and the Aramaic and we know that Jesus spoke the common language which was a form of Yiddish as it was that they spoke in that day and the common people heard the Lord Jesus gladly. So there was a, a high ranking Greek and Aramaic that a lot of the theologians and the scholars would have used, but many of the common people didn't speak that type of language. So the Lord Jesus could have used that if He so desired, since He was the King of all language. He could have spoken whatever language that He so desired. But He spoke in a way that the common people would be able to hear it and understand it and receive it gladly. But we know in the translation many times from the Hebrew to the Greek that we They would go to quoting this, and it becomes very confusing to people looking for Old Testament references where one of the New Testament preachers would refer to it, and they go to looking for it, and they can't find it. And the truth of it is, in the case of Paul being a prophet of the age, that Paul, not only being a prophet, had the ability to interpret that which was written in the Old, but he also had the ability to receive from God in the fourth dimension, that which not, it was even written in the Old Testament, but that which was the current thoughts of God, and he wrote them down afresh in the new. Now, I find it so amazing how many people around this message don't believe that we've received the same caliber of prophet. As a matter of fact, I was conversing not long ago with a preacher, and this preacher had said some things that I felt like was wrong, and I wasn't trying to correct him, I wasn't trying to be over him or over anybody else, but he wrote me for, for some help about some things. And I thought, well, I'm just going to express to him what I believe. So I told him, I said, well, I don't feel like that I can help you because uh, I don't understand where you're coming from. I don't understand exactly why you're saying this and why you're saying that. And I'm not going to support a man that I don't feel like is standing for the message of the hour. And I said, just let me tell you where I stand. I believe that God has sent to us a prophet of the same caliber of Paul of Moses. Moses of Elijah and in some ways even greater, because he had more supernatural, more miracles, and God also spoke to him in more visions than we find of all the prophets that are put together. And I said, I believe that Brother Branham was called to bring the interpretation of that which was written, and I also believe that Brother Branham was called by God to be able to receive the ramant word from God that was not even written words that were very very pertinent to us in this day so as the man took my email or my text and then he went down item by item by item well I believe this just like you said I believe this like you said I believe this like you said but he come right down to the last little item and that was the clincher And he come to that item that he did not believe that Brother Branham could receive the word from God, which had not been written. Well, if you don't believe that, then you don't believe he's the same caliber prophet that Paul was. And you sure don't believe that he was the same caliber prophet that Moses was, or Haggai, or Malachi, or Zephaniah, or Zechariah, or Obadiah, or many of them men, because what they had to say, they could not point back to what any other men had to say. That's why they were God-called prophets. Now, I'm not that kind of man. No other preacher here tonight in the building or no other preacher alive on the face of the earth can receive the word the way a prophet can because a prophet is so designed that he receives that word from God and he gets out of the way in such a way that it is a perfect, infallible way by which God projects it to him. Is that right? That's why he can say thus saith the Lord and when it is that it is perfect. It cannot fail because it is thus saith the Lord. Now I can say well I think and I believe and I I believe this and I believe that. It might be right and it might be wrong. But when a prophet says thus saith the Lord it is not no possibility of it being right or possibility of it been wrong if it is thus saith the Lord that's exactly what it is now whenever Paul got ready to make a reference here to this this scripture that he was going to write now remember Paul had many things to say in the New Testament that neither John nor Luke nor none of the rest of the writers actually read or wrote and he had things to say in the New Testament that not even some of the Old Testament prophets had to say but yet Paul many times would pull from the reference that the prophets said in the Old Testament Paul would even pull from Greek historians I know that stumbles some folks but Paul would actually pull from some of the common writers of his day and even of some of the famous writers that had lived before him and he would quote parables and he would quote many things from historians but he saw that some of what they had to say was the truth. And Paul would incorporate that truth of what they had to say and he would merge it into the gospel. You understand that? Well, here Paul is going to make reference to what Isaiah said. Now, I referred to it the other night, but let's let's just read it so you'll be able to read it for yourself. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7. Now, Paul is actually making reference, but some people have tried to find what Paul said word for word, but they've not found it. Well, you know why? Because it's not actually there, but he's, he's quoting from this Hebrew version of it, and this is the greek version now watch what paul said how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace but this is actually what is written how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that bring good tidings now you see people that try to pick brother branham And Brother Branham will quote this and quote that and quote the other. And they try to pick Brother Branham and say, well, he didn't quote this right. And he didn't quote that right. If you don't do Paul the same way, you are a full-fledged, full-blooded, genuine hypocrite. Now, as I said, there's lots of folks that listen to these Wednesday night services that ain't really believers anyhow. So this is not so much for those of you that are here, but just so those can have their their hide fried that have come back in just to visit us on Wednesday night again. And remember, those of you that do this, you won't hear this just again tonight, but when you are burning in the flames of torment, my words will haunt you. So hear it and repent, or hear it and damn your soul. It's your choice. Now watch what Paul said. Paul used the word gospel, but of course the Old Testament did not use that word. Notice Isaiah said, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. Of course, Paul didn't say it that way. That bringeth good tidings of good, which Paul didn't say it that way, but good tidings of good things that publisheth salvation that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Paul didn't even make no reference whatsoever to that. But now remember, we're talking about a prophet. And not a pastor, a prophet, and not a teacher. So a prophet can take an Old Testament word and with the inspiration of God under the new covenant, and with the ability to break into that fourth dimension, catch that word and actually update it under a present tense anointing and word it so that it will fit, listen now, more perfectly than it did in the Old Testament day because to say it like they did, it wouldn't exactly fit. So here the Lord Jesus was able to update it. You say, I never heard of such stuff in my life. You haven't. Well, wonder why it was that Paul wrote in the New Testament that women should not break their hair. But yet, Brother Branham, under, amen, under the anointing of the last day, whenever somebody asked him about braided or broided hair, and he said, well, in that time, it was a sign of a prostitute. But he said, "In this day, it looks very pretty." Now, is Brother Branham saying something contrary to what Paul said? No, but the tradition had changed. Now, what happened was in the Greek, and especially among the Romans, among the rich Roman ladies, what they would do—they would buy little strips of gold and silver, and then they would go to the hair designers and the hair workers, and they would plait and broid that hair and. in there they would not use ribbons like maybe you would from a, a fabric store something like that but they would have finely rolled out strips of gold and strips of silver and precious gems and all that and the Roman ladies especially they loved it and it was a sign of their wealth so it was a, a signal you know that they were wealthy women and they wore this on their heads so whenever the daughters of God were doing that it made them look like the world but when the world changed using that then the prophet would come and say that well when Paul was here that was the identification of a prostitute and the prostitutes would do the same thing so they would take and have all this intricate stuff interwoven inside of their hair and they would stand on the side of the street and a man looking at there it was a sign that she was for sale So when the custom changed, it was not that braided hair was wrong, but it was the way they were using it, it was wrong. So Brother Random did not say something contrary to what Paul said, but he was able to take what Paul said and bring it into the light of this day and say with our sisters today, it's very pretty and it's very fitting, you understand. Now watch, this is why that we did not need another theologian to to come and get us another series of books on his version of the Bible now we've got Moody we've had Adam Clark we've had Wesley we've had Whitworth we've had on and on and on and on and many of them wrote their, their lives, you know the stories and all of what they believed and they studied but God know we did not need another set of encyclopedias and we did not need another commentary on the Bible but what we need was a prophet of God that had the ability to go down through those ages and pull the truths of what Luther had, what Wesley had, what Pentecost had, what Whitworth had. Look friends, I've stood in Brother Random's library out in Tucson. I've stood there in the study years ago and picked different books out of Brother Random's study and thumb through those books and look at some of those books and see where Brother Random underlined this and highlight that and you see Clarence Larkin's book and this one and that one and the other one and Brother Branham would pull from them and pull them right into the message. Why? The seventh angel was sent to gather up all the loose ends. He didn't have a particular message and yet people look at that and say, that stumbles me. Well, it shows you don't know why he come. You think he was to come with something all brand new. That's wrong. He never said that. He was sent to gather the the loose end so he pulled the truth from Luther. The truth from Wesley the truth from Pentecost. The truth from Wentworth. The truth from Adam Clark. The truth from Clarence Larkin. But yet he was able whenever Adam Clark would say there was three gods he was able to divide the line. Whenever Clarence Larkin the man had great understanding early in the early 1900's a Pentecostal guy. Church of God. And he had great understanding as far as dispensational truths. The man had some real insight But he was blind as a jackrabbit when it come to the Godhead. He was as blind as he could be when it come to the sovereignty of God. But yet God sent a prophet that would gather all the loose ends. So you know what? Then we don't need another prophet after that prophet to come and straighten him out. God did not call now the five-fold ministry after he sent Elijah to straighten out Elijah. He sent Elijah to straighten us out. Well, hallelujah. So how then can a preacher go and be able to bring word births if that man himself does not have a word birth? Now we know that the seed carries through the body. So the seed itself, the intellectual seed, the logos, can be handed to books and tapes and people can get them. But if the Spirit of God does not anoint one with the seed life within themselves, listen to spoken word, traditional seed, both services, and you'll find the prophet laying this out also wisdom versus faith, 1962 and you'll see how the brother Branham sets it forth that the seed passes through the body so the seed does not pass necessarily through a tract or the seed does not pass just through an intellectual conception but the seed must pass through the body why because the body is part of the quickened seed themselves so I can preach something and preach it over and over and over again and you can memorize it okay brother Donnie, okay I've got it I've got it, and you might get it up here, but it don't mean that you've got it down here. And then you'll hear somebody else preach the exact opposite, and then there you sit, you're as confused as you can be. You know why you're confused? It never moved from here down to here. If it's a revelation, I don't care how many preachers say something contrary, it'll never move you at all, because it's revealed to you by the Holy Ghost. And it's the same now with Paul showing how that the gospel is is perpetuated by living members of the body. Now, how does a virus, we're all dealing with coronavirus, and we all know about it around the world. So how does that thing replicate itself? I heard a, a virologist the other day speaking about it, and he said that actually a virus, whether it's cold or flu or whatever it is, it actually does not want to kill the carrier. But that virus wants you to be a person That will allow it to use you So whether it's a cold Whether it's flu Whether it's COVID-19 That virus will replicate itself Inside of your body And it will make you sneeze or cough One of the traits of these particular viruses is That it will make you sneeze or cough The reason the virus, he said Wants to make you cough Is so you will expand it And give it to someone else so it is not the virus going down. We know this, this is demonology. And I thought it was really amazing because he said the virus itself does not want to kill you. It wants you to live and perpetuate its kingdom and let it keep going. So it wants you to sneeze on him and her, cough on her, sneeze on them, blow your droplets all over everybody that you're around so you can keep on replicating. I thought what a phenomenal thing that Satan bringing into the realm of diseases and infectious diseases is one to do the same thing that God does by replicating his spiritual body by the spirit of God inside of us breathing on others. What did the Lord Jesus do in the New Testament? The Bible said he breathed on his disciples and said receive ye the Holy Spirit. What's he doing? He's breathing on them so they will get what he had what for? So they're the only ones that can have it so they will replicate him in others so they will breathe on others and breathe on others and breathe on others. Of course what does Satan do? Satan gets into the realm of these things and then he kills the carrier and another carrier and another carrier and another carrier. But the Lord God wants to get inside of us as his body. He wants to anoint our intellectual faith turn it into revelation which gives us power above what we can do And then we will spread it to others. And we tell others about the good things God has done for us. What does it do? It replicates the Lord Jesus in other human beings. Because they say, I want what you've got. I want to live the way you live. I don't understand all the stuff you're saying. But I know there's something real. What does that do? Then you become to where you are replicating the Lord Jesus. Oh, how many wants to do that? Now, Paul is setting forth as far as how the gospel is going to be. So how are they going to be able to do it? All right, so God chose to use preachers. Now, he could have chose the sun. You know, the prophet mentioned that over and over again. He could have chose the sun to preach the gospel, the moon, the stars, and every one of them would have been more faithful than me. Every one of them would have been more faithful than every preacher that's ever lived on the earth. The sun has never failed God since he put it in His orbit in the beginning. And the moon has never failed God, nor the rest of the stars and God could have chosen them and they would have replicated the gospel in absolute perfect harmony but the Lord did not want to use the son. He wanted to use his sons. Not S-U-N but S-O-N-S so God wanted to take fallen man and redeem that fallen man and put him back in a justified, sanctified redeemed state then through that man becoming a part of the mystical body he would breathe through that man and then God would would absolutely reproduce himself in another By hearing the word of the Lord And it would not just be preachers of course But it would be all sons and daughters of God That would share his life Is that right? So don't just look at me or these other preachers And think well you're the only ones that have something to do Every one of you have a work Every one of you have something to do For the kingdom of God Now how is it going to work then with preachers How can they preach unless they could be sent How can people believe on him who they've not heard? How can they be able to accept on him who they don't even understand? How can they be able to understand it unless someone has broken open the mystery of what God is and showed them the very plan of salvation? That how can the preacher preach unless he may be sent? And how can he be able to proclaim this sent truth unless he himself has received the sender? You see, it's not enough to receive the word of the sender. You cannot just get a letter from the sender and say, well, I'm sent by the sender. No, the sender goes in you. He doesn't just give you a book about himself, but he comes in you and anoints you and moves you beyond your own thinking. He anoints you and gives you the words to say, and many times it'll be against your own thinking, against your own intellect, but it is the sender in the sentee, and he sends you forth to replicate his own body it will continue on until the last one has come to full redemption and then we all go home now, what's this in Mark chapter 1, verse 14? Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Notice the gospel in the New Testament did not begin with John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was a prophet, but the dispensation of the gospel was not committed to John the Baptist, but to the Lord Jesus. So how did the people who come to John, how were they baptized? So John actually was baptized people, but he did not use a name. He did not use in the coming name of Messiah. He did not use the coming name of the son of David, but he baptized them as they were believing on him that is to come. Why didn't John use a name? He didn't know the name yet. He had not been revealed to him So the gospel which was the good news Of the fullness of redemption and salvation John could not preach that Because he did not know the gospel of Jesus Christ He didn't even know what God's human name was yet So John would baptize the people But remember he was not the first one to baptize The Essenes which lived down by the Dead Sea That's where the Dead Sea Scrolls come from uh, The Essenes had this community there Before the Lord Jesus and John the Baptist Came on the earth they've been there for many many years and there they wrote these things and they believed that there was going to be a great battle which would end in the end time between the sons of light and the sons of darkness and they believed that you would reach this place of purification and holiness in the presence of God by pulling yourself away from everybody else so they went there at the very edge of the Dead Sea, I've stood there several times and there they would live from everybody, away from everybody else, they would grow their own food, they would be Have nothing to do with anybody else and they believed then that they would be the sons of life. It is believed that John the Baptist actually come out of there. So they baptized for purification and whenever they dug in around the ruins or the archaeological digs of of the salt sea there, they found these different baptismal pools and they would sanctify themselves and wash themselves. So John wasn't the first to baptize but he baptized in a different way. Now they would baptize for purification But John was baptizing with a future promise. Now John would say, I'm going to baptize you on him for him who is to come. But he didn't have a name. He didn't have a title. He did not have really a clear understanding of who he was. But he said, he that sent me to baptize said, on whom you will see the Spirit of God descending, this is the Lamb of God. Now John didn't know who he was. So you imagine him watching day in and day out day in and day out as he would baptize, but he who sent him to baptize, the Almighty, spoke to him and said, now whenever the Lamb of God comes, you'll know him by this. The Spirit of God will come and descend upon him, and you'll know that's him. So here Jesus walks into the water, and something must have pricked John's heart, and he sees the Spirit of God, and he said, I need to be baptized of thee. And Jesus said, suffer it to be so, for it's commanded of us to fulfill all righteousness And John baptized him. And when he did, he come up out of the water. And John saw the Spirit of God descending from God out of heaven as a dove. And it come down and landed upon him. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Or turn it around, pleased to dwell in. Then then John knew who the human name of God was represented in. Now this was God's new provided place of worship. So then John, a few days later, Jesus walked by near where John was baptizing and John saith unto John the Baptist saith unto Peter and John and them he said look no look look there he is that, that's, that's the Lamb of God so Jesus is walking by and they left John and they started following him and said master uh, he, he who baptized told us that you're the Lamb of God said we, we want to follow you so well, where do you live we, we want to go and see where you live we want to be with you we want to be around him. now watch the new had now changed from that which was coming to that which had arrived. You see, the tense of the word is such an important thing to God. Many years later, Paul found them on the earth in the upper coast of Ephesus, and they were still being baptized the way John had taught it, and they had not received the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, they hadn't even heard anything about the Holy Ghost. And And Paul said, how were you baptized? And they said, well, we were baptized the way John the Baptist said, he said that won't work now. Well, it worked a few years ago when John the Baptist was there, but he was pre-gospel. When Jesus began to preach the gospel, then John the Baptist's message had been fulfilled and it wouldn't work today. Well, let me just go ahead and say it. Years ago, the message of Pentecost would work. The message of Methodists would work years ago, but it won't work now. Well, come on, saints. Years and years ago, this might have worked and that might have worked, but in order to go on the rapture and this day to be a part of the bride, you got to have the message of this end time. Or well, you say, I'm going and I don't believe it. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but no, you're not going. It was the woman who heard the message of Eliezer that was able to go back and meet her Isaac. This is why we needed a messenger in the last days, and Elijah, fulfilled a matter Malachi 4, and also Revelation 10, 7. So what is the gospel? Then it is the good news of the New Testament or the New Covenant. Now watch what Jesus said, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe, not the word, but the gospel. Notice now, don't look at me bug-eyed. He didn't say, now believe the the theology, believe the teachings, believe the doctrines, and we should, but we need to believe the gospel. What is the gospel? The word made alive. The word is not something that we argue and debate and fuss about. It's a person a doctrine never died for you a doctrine never raised from the dead for you a doctrine's not coming back from you a person did a person is what I'm looking for the Lord Jesus notice this now question answers on Hebrews as the prophet said now those four beasts now to quickly get this cause I don't want to take too long on this I, I, I find this absolutely so overwhelming but the four beasts the beasts in the Bible represents a power and you notice the these beasts are not out yonder in the lake or in the sea somewhere coming up, but they were at the throne of God, and they were worshiping God, those four beasts, means four powers that come up out of the earth. Those four powers was the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and one don't contradict the other as the gospel goes forth as a lion. Now listen, people misunderstand sometimes why that the word has got to be preached hard and stiff. Well, it's amazing how that God will let the channel of the anointing move in and out of that in one service. You've seen it as well as I have, that God will allow the anointing of John and he will allow the power of Matthew and the power of Luke and the power of the four gospels coming forth in the same service. Sometimes it'll be the mainstream will be the lion. The other times, the mainstream might be that of Mark. Or other times, it might be that of Luke. And then other times, it'll be all mixed up. It'll just be going this way and that way. And you're sitting there thinking, what in the world? Brother Donnie is totally out of his mind tonight. No, I'm just moving from a lion to an ox to a man to this and that and the other. You think it's hard being all four of them in one service? You try. You <laughs> try. what is it? It's a power. So it's not the intellect of a man trying to figure out, okay, now Brother Dave and Sister Becky, they need this tonight, and Brother Dave Swanson, he's sitting two benches in front of them, and he needs this, and Carol and Maria, they need that, and Harry and Karen need this. I would go out of my mind trying to figure out what you need. So the thing I figured out is I need to render myself to the Holy Ghost. And whether I understand it or don't, it don't make a lick of difference. I was just telling Brother J.D. before service, last Sunday he was talking about what the service meant to him, I said, Brother Jim, I said, it's amazing because I wasn't even going to go that way on Sunday. I was trying to jump back into what i have been dealing with back for a while back, and I pulled up my notes on my computer, sitting there looking at it, I was, I was so excited about coming to church and preaching, and I was going to pick back up again about love and what love does in the body and the family and so on and so on, and yet while I was sitting there studying with him in my lap, just not too long before church, I kept feeling this pull to go back to the episode, and I thought, Lord, I'm done, done with that ain't I? I, I? I thought I've already preached that and I'm done Done with it. I don't want to move on. And I thought yeah praise the Lord. Let's get back over here now. I'm trying to gather my thoughts. So I'm sitting here looking at that, looking at that and I just kept well maybe I shouldn't go this way. And after the emails and the texts and the things that I heard I thought yeah once again Donnie was wrong and Jesus was right. Well, I don't know about you, that happens every day of my life. That ain't, nothing brand new. I realize, that, you know, most of you are perfect and everything. I tell you, you don't have to deal with that stuff, but I, I, I do. I'm still, God's still working on me. But I realize that sometimes it makes no sense at all to the preacher. And the anointing that he'll move in and out of. It's very confusing, so you're standing there. And again, I know you can't understand it, but I told the brother the other day, you know, he's talking about fighting battles when you come to church. And this going through your mind and that going through your mind. I said, I understand, I understand. I'm standing up there preaching 90 miles an hour. And while I'm preaching 90 miles an hour, I'm still fighting that battle in my mind. Look at so-and-so, they're mad at you. So-and-so got up and walked out, and they didn't come back in. You made them mad. Can you imagine now? I'm up here preaching wide open, wide open, can't even get my breath hardly. And I'm standing here preaching flying, and at the same time, I'm still fighting them personal mind battles in my own mind. Well, so-and-so didn't like that. Wonder where so-and-so is. This makes two services. They wasn't there. I hope they're all right. I hope this is, and I'm standing here preaching like I am to you. Why? Because what is anointing me is not me. It's anointing the gift which is separate from me and my thoughts can even be separate from them thoughts. Don't, you can't understand it. I can't understand it either. But all I know is that it happens. So what do we have to do? We have to get into the channel of the Holy Ghost and whether it makes any sense or not, we just roll with it. That's exactly what you have to do as a children of God. You come in here and sit down and you fight and this goes through your mind and that goes through your mind. Don't you understand why, friend? It's because Satan knows what God's put on my heart. He's been looking over my shoulder and saying, oh no, if he preaches that, so-and-so will get delivered. If he preaches that, so-and-so will be set free. So if he can't stop me from preaching it, he'll try to stop you from getting it. So he puts your mind here and there and everywhere else. When we come here, the battle just starts. We need to draw the battle lines and say, all right, devil, I've come to worship God. I've come to sing. I've come to praise the Lord. I've come to receive something from God. Get out of my mind, Satan. So watch this, the gospel goes forth as a lion. It's stern. It's bold. The gospel is brave like a lion, and it's a king like a lion. (laughs) And if it goes toward a man's face, it's cunning and shrewd like a man. Now you imagine being up trying to be a preacher then, and the anointing of God will send you in the line of the king, in the line of the bold, because somebody just clicked in long enough They need to hear the voice of the king. They heard it, and they clicked off. And then the Lord clicks back on something else, another channel. Now, watch how it can be. Oh, my. If it goes toward a man's face, it's a cunning and shrewd like a man. If it goes the eagle, it's got the swift wings. Fast preaching. And high heights. You see what I mean? If it goes like the ox, it's the workhorse that can pull. So sometimes even an evangelist, an evangelist will come in. An evangelist gets in that workhorse thing and he can feel the burden and the load of the people and feel that the church has been going through a difficult time. And he'll get down there and go to laboring and laboring. And God loves you and he's faithful and he's helping you. What's he doing? He's pulling. He's pulling, he's pulling. Oh my. Aren't you glad God's got men that are sensitive to that? Notice this, it's the workhorse that can pull, the work ox that pull the burden of the Gospel. The four beasts was the four powers, which were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The four Gospels that ring out in the presence of God. Now friend, this is something different than what a tape would ever be able to do. Now I don't think I'm knocking the tapes. I listen to tapes on every day of my life. I Sometimes I listen to them over and over again. All you gotta do is ask my wife. I listen to them so much, I can quote what brother Branham is fixing to say in the same tone of voice he says it you don't get it that way but listen to it once every now and then I feed on this this is where I feed and if you don't shame on you but notice those tapes will never change if you listen to them 10,000 times and I know the message people oh that's the wonderful part about it wonderful is it But a preacher standing before you, God can pull him this way and that way. And you know who's doing that? You are. Or someone out in Kansas that has just happened to this past week and someone up in Newfoundland and somewhere else, why? Because it's a gift of God there that God can pull it this way and that way, and the ox and the man and the eagle and the oh my, whatever that God wants to send, why? This is the way God chose to preach the gospel. Let me tell you something, friend. If something ever happens to me, don't you all think, you'll be able to play just Brother the Say, oh well, we'll play brother Donnie's tapes. That won't work either. You'll need a man. Man to stand up here A man that you can be able To pull on him And he'll go beyond his notes He'll go beyond his intellect And pull right to the very thing You have need of And a tape that I preached 10 years ago You won't be able to pull that tape In another direction But God said I will send men They will be anointed With the gospel And they will breathe On my children the breath of Lord. They will propagate my kingdom. Oh, notice this in Romans chapter 2 verse 16. You're talking about a man that had confidence and where he stood. Paul again, in the day when God shall judge the heart, the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. You don't find Matthew saying that. You don't find Luke saying it. You don't even find Peter saying it. Paul knew who he was. Oh, I realize there's people that have left a message. Oh, I don't need William Brown. I'm gonna stand there with Paul. How surprised they're gonna be when they stand before the white throne judgment and they're gonna be looking for Paul. <laughs> it ain't gonna be Paul they're gonna stand there before. It's gonna be the messenger of this day. The one they've called a liar and a false prophet. I sure wouldn't wanna be in their shoes at that day, friend. Notice again, Romans sixteen twenty five. Now to him that is of power not just word to establish you according to my gospel wow. and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began so you mean Paul was saying things That had never been said exactly right. (laughs) Well, hallelujah. I imagine when them seven seals was coming open and being broke there at the tabernacle. The angels of God must have been hovering near. Not just hundreds and hundreds of people packing out that little building. But the angels of God must have been hovering near. Because they had a heavenly perspective You see, they knew it was the lamb that had come down on the earth, and he was tearing the seals off of himself. That's why the prophet would say, those seals are him. He is those seals. He is the word. So you imagine from a heavenly perspective that the angels of God were hovering around that little humble building. A little humble man that people laughed at and ridiculed and made fun of. And the angels of God were there spellbound, hearing things they had never heard before. We are blessed. (laughs) Praise God. Which things the angels desire to look into. And the word look into means to bend down and peer with a studious face your baptism of the Holy Ghost the angels look into it and think wow wow don't you understand they don't have the Holy Ghost (laughs) they don't have the Holy Ghost they don't have a new birth but they peer and they stoop over and they look into it and think Wow, how would God love them? They're so full of mistakes. They're just so, so, so human. Would well, you might as well say, "Amen, you are." It's not that He loves us because we're divine. But he looks past the humanity and they, they look into it and they peer and they look and they try to understand it and they desire to look into it because they don't have it. And yet they've never seen one thing. They've never thought a wrong thought. They've never said one bad word since they've been into existence for maybe eons of ages. And they sang, and they worshipped Him, and they stood before His throne, and fought His battles, and represented His presence. And yet, when the redeemed from this earth will stand before Him, that great angelic host will stand on the outside of the perimeter of the earth. When the saints of God go to sing the songs of redemption, and the angels will circle the earth as we maybe take our hands and bow our heads and sing the songs that they could never sing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It will be such a gigantic jubilation of the power of God and the song of redemption will so encircle the globe that the angels will stand there with bowed heads singing, I don't know what they mean. I don't know what they mean. As we sing, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. And the angels says, stand there with their heads bowed. Wow. Listen to that. That is so awesome. Look at him. Look at him. I've seen him with joy. I've seen him with such expressions on his face. I have never seen him like this. You know why? Because nobody can move his heart like the bride can. Hallelujah. I don't care what you're fighting tonight i don't mean i don't care but i mean no matter what you're going through tonight it's going to be worse everything you go through in this life paul said i reckon that the sufferings of this present life are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us at that day the worst day you could ever imagine as a child of God is better than the best day the devil could ever give you amen the biggest trial the most difficult thing that you could ever go through is better my friend and it has a greater reward than all the money all the pleasure all the fame everything that Satan could give you the worst day as a child of God oh praise God First Corinthians chapter one verse seventeen. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of Logos. Look at the meaning. Word, saying, a word uttered by a living voice embodies a conception or idea. What someone has said. Past tense. What someone has said, a word, or the sayings of God. So, you mean a person could preach the wisdom of Logos with no deliverance? They could quote the scripture, they could my, be a theologian to the dot and not be preaching the gospel. Why? No manifestation well hallelujah now notice this is why Paul didn't want to do that for Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect so apparently a man can preach the wisdom of the logos without the anointing without deliverance without the gospel and it actually makes the cross of none effect don't you understand? This is what the modern theologians and the preachers of the day are doing. They are saying, oh God understands why you can't live right. That's what the blood's for. You're going to sin more or less a little bit every day and you can't live true and you can't live right and you can't live holy before the Lord and God knows all of that. Don't you see what they're doing? They're making the cross of Christ of none effect. He didn't just die that I could be forgiven. He died that I could be empowered with another life. Amen. I need to forgive. But after I got forgiveness, I needed to be filled with another nature. I needed to be filled with another life, which would empower me. I could look at sickness in the face. I could look at death in the face and say, back off, devil. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Notice this, the prophet says, what is the gospel? The word gospel means the good news. And the good news is the Bible. But the Bible is the letter. And the letter kill us, and the Spirit gives us life. So Paul said the gospel came not through word only, but through power and manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Now notice the only way the gospel could be preached then would be manifest the power of the Holy Spirit. Then what's the next question? A conjunction? These signs shall follow them that believe. Not these signs may follow them or they ought to follow them, but they shall follow them that believe. And Happy Valley Church said, again he said that's the gospel, the power of God, the word of God made manifest is the gospel? You say the Bible said that's fine. That's the word of God. Well, the word made manifest is the gospel. The gospel came to us not through word only, but through power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost to demonstrate the power, make the gospel live. Amen. Well, how do, but brother Donnie, we're, we're after the seals now. Don't you understand? We we don't need prayer for the seal. Are you kidding me? What world are you living in? We got more sick folk than we've ever had in the population of the earth. Lord have mercy children, We need the miraculous power of God. We need healing. We need deliverance. Notice here's the bottom line. God's never taken his power from the church but the church don't have faith enough to act upon it. Praise God. That's all. It's just that simple. We try to make it so complicated sometimes, but the more simple you make the gospel, the more reality you will have. Oh my, isn't that wonderful? The more simple you make the gospel, more reality makes me wonder brother Paul if that's why the many of the message folks don't have much reality of the power of God why it's so complicated it's so complex oh don't you remember when brother Brandon was trying to find God when he was lost and he felt God dealing with him and he didn't know how to approach the Lord so he wrote him a letter You remember that nailed it up on a tree Well, then he said he thought, no, maybe I need to talk to him. So he got down in the coal shed, and he said he had seen some pictures. Now, notice where he draws from, conceptions that people handed to him. And he got down on his knees, and he said, he held his hands a certain way and said, "Uh, Dear sir, uh, I've come to tell you I'm a terrible sinner. And he said, well... Maybe I'm holding my hands wrong. I'd seen pictures, he said, where they'd hold their hands a certain way. He said, well, maybe I need to hold my hands a different way. Now, where's he drawing from? Pictures, concepts of what people said. So he tried that and he said, well, he didn't answer me. He said, I've heard people say God talked to him. He said, I've heard him talk to us. I said, I've heard him out there in the woods. And he said, I don't know how to do it. (laughs) And he said, I said, sir, Maybe, maybe you can't talk my language. Friend, are you talking about how ignorant a human being can be? Now, I'm not trying to downgrade Brother at Oh, this is his words. Maybe you can't talk my language, and maybe I can't understand yours. Praise God. But he said, I'm a sinner. And he said, I don't want to die lost. And he said, all of a sudden, a light come down and drew a cross on the wall of that coal shed. And he heard a voice and he couldn't understand it. He said, Sir, again, maybe maybe you can't talk my language. Can you imagine him thinking that God spoke a language that he couldn't talk English? Praise God. But he said, If that means I'm forgiven, would you let that appear? And he said, They come right back down on the building again. And he said, Oh my, the seals broke. What was it God having to deal with him in such a simple way who would ever believe that a man would be allowed to stand and talk with the angels of God and see such vision and walk in such heavenly realm and had such a beginning? But he knew he needed something, Brother Wayne, more than theology. He said he went to the Catholic church. He went there and he went somewhere else. And he said, actually, he got saved. People started telling him, he said, now, Billy, stay away from this and stay away from that. He said, but I want to know what I was talking about. I read in the Bible where they said they'll cast out devils. So he said, I went to a witch camp one night. (laughs) Me and another brother. And he said, I was in that witch camp. And he said, there was a witch there and he said she was making tables fly through the air and guitars. So a couple of men in there said, she said, I'll give anybody so much if you'll pull that table down. Now the table is flying in the air, suspended. Two men grabbed a hold of the legs of that table and tried to bring it down. It shook them off and throwed them on the floor. So she turned and looked at him and said, hey, I hear you're a preacher, I said I am. So what do you think about this? He said, "It's the devil." She said, "What well, if you got so much power, you do something?" Bad. He said, "I ain't got no power, but I represent one who does." There you go, brother, sister. Oh, brother Donnie, you got so much power. Oh no, I ain't got no power. I ain't got no power to do this, but I am standing here tonight representing one, one who has all power in heaven and in earth. He said, I knew I was going to meet the devil. He said, so I wanted to know. He said, so if you got so much power I said, I ain't got no power, but I represent one, he said. So I stood there and I said, in the name of the Holy Church, be cast to the floor. Never moved. In the name of this, in the name of that. And he said, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Never moved. But he said, "In the name of Jesus Christ, Satan, come out of it!" And he said, "That table fell and nearly broke all four legs off of it. Why? It was the gospel in demonstration. He needed more than a quote. He needed more than a written word. He needed." to see the manifestation oh my I don't want to just see the rapture in scripture I want to see the rapture in divine healing I want to see the rapture in the form of miracle. every time we pray for somebody and they're healed that is a little bitty deposit of the rapture every time we pray for somebody and they get a miracle that is a little bitty down payment of the body change oh come on church I want to see the gospel on display in our lives But we think if we ain't talking about the seven thunders and the parousia and all these great things, oh, my, 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 my. It's just so deep. What do you have to say? I don't understand one thing about it, but it was so deep none of us caught it. But how much reality do you have? I want deep things. I want them when he sends them. But I also want reality. How many wants reality? Oh, my. The more simple you make the gospel, the more reality you have. When you just get real simple with it, God said so, that settles it, and that's all. Just believe it and go ahead. Amen. Praise be to God. Let's jump over here just a little bit farther to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel came not un, Notice this now. In word only, which is again logos, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Second Timothy one nine, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You see, it was on the first day of the week (laughs) that he drew light out of darkness at the creation it was on the first day of the week that he drew light out of the darkness of the tomb. He drew it the first time on the first day of the week and now in this resurrection of the bride and of the groom on the first day of the week when he abolished death he raised him on the first day. He lay under the empire the dominion, the domain of death he must take it on himself as the sun as we saw it my day after day time after time in our lifespan seen it set but it's not gone it's just on the other side of the earth if you've ever been privileged to fly toward the west and you leave in the afternoon and you fly all night long and the day is longer and longer and longer and longer because according to the direction that you're going. You know the way the earth spins around. One time I was privileged to be able to leave out of Chicago or on one of my trips to China. And the pilot come on and said, ladies and gentlemen, we have been cleared by the Russian government to be able to fly over the top of the earth. So instead of going around like this, leaving and going around, we actually were able to fly over the top of the earth. So it wasn't long, it was daytime, two o'clock in the afternoon, something like that. So it wasn't long after we was up in the air, I began to see the polar cap on the earth and was able to fly one of the smoothest flights I've ever been on in my life. Because the winds and the trade winds and all, you're missing it because you're going right over the top of the earth this way. And here we are going over the top of that, and we come down over the top of the earth on the other side and flew into China that way instead of going around the earth. And what did it do? The day was longer and longer and longer by the way the earth spins. Oh my, how long the darkness must have seemed to the apostles, how long it must have seemed to the angels of God. But very early in the morning, in the first day of the week, the sun arose. Hallelujah! And the dominion of death had to give way to the dominion of light. So he brought light and immortality. He brought it into a true perspective that we'd never seen before. Let's stand. We got too much more to go on with. Don't you understand what the gospel does? The gospel brings the word to light. So the seed can be hid in a person's head, hid in their intellect for years and years and years. And once the spirit of God really shines on that, it's like the bursting forth of the sun. You've seen it, many of you that's been up when the sun comes out. Oh, what a sight it is as the sun begins to dispel the darkness and drive away the darkness to the other side of the earth. That's the way it is when the gospel, the gospel manifests the word. Then you say, oh my goodness, I just heard that. I just read that, I never saw that. What happened? The sun raised on that scripture. The sun raised on that quote and it illuminated that and brought it to light and immortality. Praise God. Don't you appreciate him with all your heart? I was hoping I'd get to this tonight, but I didn't. But let me just give you a little bit of preview of something we have before us. Proving his word in Los Angeles. If his children will only take his word so he can prove it by you. That's the only way he can prove his word. Somebody, I believe, in this building tonight is going to be alive when 1 Thessalonians 4 will be proved. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. Right? Now he said it. He's already said it. But he uses his children to prove his word by. Oh my I broke into this a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you remember it or not. Me and Harry talking about it after the service. I thought, I know I've heard Brother Bram say that somewhere. Where was it, Lord? So I got to search and looking, and I found out. So I've been going over and over these, these tapes. Here. Notice this. He doesn't prove it to unbelievers. They can't be proved. They're unbelievers. But it's not to unbelievers. It's not for unbelievers. It's to him that believe, And if he can find somebody... Who will believe his word, he will prove his word by you. Glory to God. And sometimes sickness and things happen to us that way that God can prove himself. So if they'll lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover naturally, somebody is gonna have to get sick. Right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He must prove that word through somebody. Now come on, we enjoy the proven, but we've gotta have these things manifest in our lives. No not you sin, friend, the trials and the things that we go through that are not self-inflicted. God's needing somebody. Glory to God, brother. the way. God's needing somebody, Brother George, that he can say, if I can find one man, one woman, one boy or one girl, I'd like to show somebody that I'm a miracle-working God. Well, if he's going to do it, somebody's going to have to need a miracle. Oh, do you remember the blind man that Jesus found? And they said, who sinned? He or his father, his mother. And he said, in this case, neither, but that the works of God might be known. See, it happened to the boy so that Jesus could be glorified. Now listen to this. I mean, you've got to chomp on it two or three times to get it. Sometimes sickness is not a curse. It's a blessing. Amen. Next time you're sicker than a dog, you ought to thank God for that. Oh, glory to God. I'm so sick. Hallelujah. Yeah. Your wife will think, yep, he's, he's cracked. He? He's, he's lost his mind. Whether well, we believe it or not. Amen. But notice you gotta look at it the right way. It's a blessing that we can stick our faith out there and call those things which are not as though they were. God said so, and he'll prove it so if you just not weaken under the test. Do you imagine he wants to prove his word by us? He could prove Job one time that he wouldn't curse him to his face. Look at that trial Job went through. But down in the very jaws of death, he said the Lord gave him, the Lord taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He certainly believed. God proved his word to Job. He proved it to Abraham. He proved it so. God will prove it to you if you'll let him. And by you if you'll let him. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And after they're instructed and taught, you know what? I believe that. God has proven that scripture to be true by me, by you, by you, by you, by you. Now you see, it's not proved just because God said it. This is the way God ordained it. God wants to prove it by humans. Praise God thank you Jesus I'm closing this and I'm laying it right over here because I got several more of them and I don't want to read them but I... oh don't you want that to be said about you friends that if God could take a scripture and isolate you out and pick you out and say I want him I'm going to try him I want to test him I want to prove this scripture by him And you see, it's not good enough for God to prove just one scripture one time. He may prove one scripture a hundred million times over the span of thousands of years that's written. He ain't like the devil. Well, if we stood here for a million years, the devil could not create one speck of dust. He's not a creator. But our Father could prove how awesome that he was by proving it again and again and again. When the earth was dark and the bleak darkness over the face of the earth and nothing could be done. And it was as if though God was letting this being which said, I want to be like God. God gave him eons of years, Would say. Go ahead and show who you are. You're so great, prove it. 10,000 years passed, 100,000, 250,000, 500,000, a million years Nothing on the earth changed It's this dark and bleak star. But all of a sudden, Elohim spoke and He said, Let there be light. Amen. And here it come from eternity. And Adam burst. And He started speaking. Let there be. Let there be if you notice those words that whenever he said let there be light that was not creative words of more. But it was simply moving back to darkness. The seeds was already there from some former civilization. (laughs) Just like in you. You was a drunk. You was a liar. You was filthy, low down, rotten darkness. But God spoke and the seed from that other civilization Come to light. <laughs> he could have proved he was God by making one species of butterfly, but instead he made thousands. He could have proved he was God by making one tree, just one tree, and covered the whole earth in one, but he made tens of thousands of them. He could have made one fish, a whale. And proved he was God. But he made multiplied thousands and hundreds of thousands of species of mammals and insects. You know, imagine them, butterflies. They have no conscience of how beautiful they are. Some of them in Brazil and Peru, and you've seen their different ones in the parts of the world with the iridescent blues and the iridescent purples. You ever seen one of them pack in a mirror? If some of us look like that, we'd be so stuck on ourselves, we'd be the king of butterfly selfies. (laughs) They've never even seen. They've never even Who did he make that for? Who did he make them colors in the rainbow for? You ever thought about the colors that he chose? He loves green. Greens and variations. Can you imagine how it would be if you chose to make the sky purple? Or a hot pink? Or a red even? You ever thought about how pleasant that blue is? And the blue and the green, how they so correlate together? What is it? It's the spectrum by which the colors are able to reflect to the eye. And you know how it is. There's a science to it. They paint doctor's offices certain colors to be able to lift people's moods. Is that right, Brother Fred? You're a painter. You know about that. Why? Because colors affect us. Certain colors you don't want to use in your house because it affects people's moods. People that live in Canada, Alaska, and places like that, they have to get certain light bulbs and certain lights because their vitamin D intake is so low because of the darkness. I didn't realize I was going to preach part two, but you'll stand it. But they're able to turn on this light bulb, and this light bulb replicates in similarity to what the rays of the sun does, which produces a a natural vitamin D. And it helps deal with this disorder called SAD, S-A-D. Now that's just sword for three big old long scientific words. And what is it that helps lift that mood? I've been in message folks home and seen these light bulbs. I know what I'm talking about. And those lights will help lift your mood. It affects your serotonin. It affects other chemicals in your body. And the brighter the light shines, the happier you feel. Well, praise. Sing something, Mary. I'm going to preach again. How many loves the Lord? Aren't you glad you believe the gospel? I don't just believe theology. I don't just believe doctrines and scriptures. I believe in the gospel. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto everyone that believes it. Salvation. Amen. Let's pray together. Oh Jesus. I heard Brother Benham say it today, yesterday, several times over. He said, this is a problem or my fault, he said. I like talking too much. I just like talking to the people, he said. And we do as preachers sometimes. We just think of one thought and then another and then another. We want the people to get it so bad. It's not that we think that we have so many nice things to say ourselves. Lord, more than anything in this world, I want the people to get what you want them to have. And I'll say it this way, and then that way, and then another way, and then have other preachers to come in. Maybe they'll say it different. Maybe they'll say it in another way, a different tone, and it'll help them. I want that more than anything in the world. Because I believe this message will change us if we'll let it. Lord God, I pray that you'd minister to your children tonight. We believe the Gospel. We believe it's still being sent and received in its original format by human beings. I pray for every God-called man around the world. Lord, the men servants of Yours have been under such an onslaught. This COVID thing has been terrible for everybody. Lord, some pastors have not been able to meet with their sheep. Some places have not been able to have church for over 18 months. Oh God, be merciful to your people. It's been hard for us, but nothing like that. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, would you visit us, Lord? Bring us deliverance from this evil. Thank you, Lord, that we're able to gather together. Thank you that we're able to come to church. Lord, I pray that you just minister to your children. Many of them which can't have church stream Brother Tim, they stream Brother Ron, Brother Jason, they stream here, they stream others, they have to do something. They listen to tapes, of course, they read their Bible. They have to have food, Lord, that is fresh. Be mindful of us, Father. Bring healing, bring deliverance. May the sick not be discouraged tonight. Maybe you'd want to use a sister here, a brother here in our assembly to prove your word of Mark 16 or of James. Hallelujah. Whatever words you have from my life, when my word arrives, help me not to fail you. Granted, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. How many wants to be faithful to the Lord God? Now, you realize what we're asking for if the Lord chooses you to display a miraculous thing or a supernatural something. But remember, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. So if He's chosen you to fulfill something in your life, He will give you what you have need of to help you to fulfill that word. Remember reading in Psalms, was it Psalms 105, I believe it is, when it was talking about Joseph? And it said that they they beat him and he, they hurt his hands and his feet and he was in stocks and he was tried until his word came until his word came the word of the Lord tried him that word had his name on it (laughs) none of his brothers could fulfill that but until his word came the word of the Lord tried him praise God Let's to sing together. Can we worship just a minute before we go? Oh, ain't it been good to be in the house of the Lord? What you got on your heart, are you?
1: My God is awesome.
0: Praise the Lord.
1: He is awesome. He's awesome.
0: You're so awesome, Father. Awesome.
1: Hallelujah. Awesome. My God is. There is no God like Jehovah There is no God like Jehovah There is no God like Jehovah
0: than our trouble, greater than our difficulty, Lord God, we bless Your name tonight. We're going to worship You whether we feel like yes, doing Lord. it or not. We're going to lift our voices whether we feel like doing it or not. If we're a horse, we'll crow. Like a bullfrog if we have to. We'll lift our tired hands, we'll lift our tired voices and say that you are the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace of your kingdom, there is no end. You are the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end and we say to our enemy, he is defeated. We're not just conquerors in the future, but we are conquerors tonight. Hallelujah, we are already part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ oh thank you Lord God thank you Lord God we worship you Lord bless your holy name Lord Jesus we bless your name Lord Jesus oh thank you Lord thank you Lord God praise the Lord praise the Lord oh man, let's just give him a wave offering before we go just take your hands up and Wave them. Think of it, them old hands used to hold cigarettes and pornographic magazines and beer and all kinds of filthy ungodly stuff. But tonight you can raise them up in the presence of God. And God looks at it as a wave offered, accepted through the blood of the Lord Jesus. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh we are the redeemed and we will sing about our redemption. We will sing about the great mercy of God that's been given to our life. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We magnify your name. Anybody wanna help me praise him? Anybody wanna help me love him tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Brother Joe Brown, won't you come and tell us tonight where we're going. If anybody asks you where I'm going, just let them know. Praise God. We're going up yonder. I said we're going up yonder. Oh, hallelujah.
2: if you want to know where i'm going where i'm going one day soon if anybody asks you where i'm going be with my Lord I can take the pain the heartache that life brings I have comfort in knowing how soon race until I see my Savior Can you take the pain? Listen, listen, I can take the pain, just a few more days, the heartache that it brings. I have comfort in knowing one day I'll soon be gone. Doesn't that excite you? Because God gives me grace. To run this Christian race uh, Until I see my Savior With my own eyes I'm going in the rapture God bless you Go in the fear of the Lord take the Lord with you One day, one day soon We shall be changed We're going in the rapture Goodbye world I'm gonna put on wings and fly away I know I'll be changed I know I'll be rearranged So I'm gonna keep my feet On the gospel way I'm going in the rapture